ahead and pull your Bibles out. We value the Bible here at LifePoint. We're going to need that here in just a moment. Acts chapter 2. You could go ahead and begin to turn there. Acts chapter 2. Also in your bulletins, you'll find some study notes that you can go along with as we study this message together today. So go ahead and pull those out. Get ready. Grab a pen. And let's ask God to do something in our heart. Well, before we get started with the message today, let me start with a couple of questions. And I want you to really think about this. I want you to go down memory lane with this. What do you think about when you hear phrases like the following? What about when you hear this phrase? Oh, it's the good old days. What do you think about? Where does your mind go when I say the good old days? Somebody else, think about this. What do you think when you hear the phrase, oh, I remember when? I remember when. Where does your mind go? For many of us, we think back to younger years. We think back when we were young. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about it this week, and you can almost begin to gauge your age by how often you say these words. Well, back in my day, anybody say that on occasion? Well, back in my day. I remember when I was a kid, my parents, they used to say that all the time. Well, back in my day, and I would think to myself, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. But then as time has gone along and I've gotten a little bit older, I realize that I am becoming my parents because I find myself talking to my kids all the time and saying the phrase, well, back in my day. I find myself saying things like this. Well, back in my day, not everyone even had a cell phone. Anybody relate to that? How about this one? Well, back in my day, we were allowed to drink water from the water hose and ride bikes without helmets, right? How about this one? Well, back in my day, all we had was Atari. (laughs) Anybody remember some Atari, some Pong? What about this one? Some of the parents in the place will really appreciate that. Uh, Back in my days, we didn't know anything about a computer game called Fortnite. What in the world are you talking about Fortnite? The only Fortnite we had is outside playing, building forts well into the night back in my day. It's fun to go back in time. So this past week, I actually came across a Facebook post. And if you're friends with us, and if you're not friends with us, why in the world are you not friends with us? What did I do to you? You ought to be friends with us on Facebook. And I came across this Facebook post that I posted, so some of you have seen some of these this week. Maybe you can relate, especially if you grew up or you remember the 80s. For example, in the 80s, check this one out. I could relate to this. This is how we block people back in the 80s. You just take the phone off. (laughs) Thought that was fun. How about this next one? Slip and slide. The most fun you'll have getting hurt. <laughs> Everybody had a slip and Who remembers this one from back in the 80s? You actually had to take it out and read the lyrics by pulling the cassette tape cover off. Here was text messaging back in the day. How many remember text messaging? <laughs> yeah. You wanted your friend across the way to know something, you wrote it down and you flipped it over to them. How about this? Back in the day, this is an age test. If you don't know what these two objects have to do with each other, I don't even want to hear from you. (laughs) How many know what I'm talking about? Winding that thing back up. (laughs) Oh, our iPods or our iPhones back in the day. We didn't have that. This is what we had. (laughs) Uh, Boombox, we called them. Remember? That's the way it went down. That's what I'm talking about. 
Jones Creek, baby. And then I know you can't deny this. Go ahead and put the next one up. <laughs> if you didn't have this couch, you knew somebody. Now, if you still have this couch, we probably need to talk after service. Now, when you think back in the day, you got to keep your mind on fashion. For example, check out this groovy couple from back in the day. You got to love that. Take it all in. Yeah. Look at that afro. That's what I'm talking about. Saturday Night Live. Just in case you don't know, you're new to LifePoint. This actually happens to be our uh, discipleship pastors, Pastor Mac and Teresa. This is them now versus them then. I think, I think that we should start a petition to recreate that picture. How about it? By the way, today is Pastor Mac's birthday. Can you believe that? So when you see him out in the hallway, just celebrate him. Last Sunday was Pastor Teresa's birthday, and I cannot tell you, these guys oversee our life groups and so many other things, and man, we are humbled and delighted that we get to do ministry with them, and you should just let them know how much they're loved and appreciated on their birthday weekend. And so we love those guys, but it remember back in the day, I just, it's a classic picture. Again, it's fun to remember a win, but I can tell you sometimes it's not only fun, but sometimes it actually can be helpful when we go back in time and we remember when. It can be fun, but it also can remind us of some fundamentals in our life. When we look backward, sometimes when we look backward, it helps us to move forward continually. It helps us when we take an evaluation and we remember when to remember what really matters. Today as a church, I want us to go back, back in time, way, way back, actually to the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. When the church first started, to see what the church was and what the church should be today, I want us to go back. And see what was really important. Because today we're starting a new series entitled Better Together. See, the vision and the mission of LifePoint has been what we've been since we've begun. And that is simply that we want to develop lifelong followers of Christ. It's our mission. It is our vision. Developing lifelong followers of Christ. What that means is whether you're 7 or 78 or 80. From this moment on, when you experience life in Jesus, from now on, in the good and the bad, I'm following Jesus. In the ups and the downs, I am a follower of Christ. I don't only follow him in the good times, I follow him always. One of the things, actually three of the things we think that followers of Jesus will do is they will experience life, live life, and share life with others. We say it every week here. We want you to experience life, live life, and share life with others. Experience life through salvation and worship. We experience life when we come to a realization that we are at the end of ourselves. When we realize that we are all dead in sin. The Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. We can experience life because Jesus, God in the flesh, came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and died as our sacrifice on the cross. 
So when we begin to say, God, I can't do it on my own anymore. God, would you forgive me? God, would you come into my life? God, I give you my sins and I take upon your righteousness. He says, I forgive you. You can experience life. The Bible says when we give ourselves fully to God and to his authority, all things are passed away and we become brand new. Experience life is where it begins. And somebody today, we're going to be talking about some other aspects, but that's your beginning point. You've not given your life to Jesus. Well, today is the day where you say, God, I need you to come into my life and take authority in my life. Experience life. We also experience life not only through salvation. We experience life as we worship together. God, we want to be a people who worship and go after your heart. Experience life. The second thing that we believe that Christ followers will do is not only experience, but they will live life with others. This is growing deeper in our faith in community. This is living life with others and growing in fellowship. We live life with others. And then thirdly, we share that life through evangelism and serving others. God, you have allowed me to experience. I am living with others life in community. Now I want to share. I want to use my giftings and my talents. I want to serve. I want to share. I want to share my testimony. Experience, live, share. Well, today we're starting a two-week series entitled Better Together. And I want to focus on those last two. After we have experienced life in Jesus, I want to focus on living life in community and sharing life and serving others. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about living life in communities. I'm going to challenge you to be engaged in life groups. Next week, as we continue better together, we are going to challenge you to serve. I've got some exciting news, by the way. How many of you like the new t-shirt? That's what I'm talking about, sporting a new t-shirt today. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Well, next week, everyone who is currently serving in some area here at LifePoint, whether you're a greeter, whether you work in Champions Club, whether you work in the office, wherever you work with kids, with youth, whatever it may be, the worship team, every single person already serving and sharing life here, it gets a brand new free t-shirt next week. Can I get a what, what? Now here's the hook. Everybody who's not serving, but will say, you can count me in. That I want to not only be somebody who receives, but to contribute. I want to be a part. Sign me up. We're going to also give you an opportunity as we talk about share life, serve life. And next week, if you'll say, you can count me in. I want to be a part. You too are going to have the opportunity to get a free shirt and sign up and be in part of sharing life. And so next week is share life. Don't miss it. It's going to be incredible. But today, I want to talk to you about live life. And I want to help you to understand this first truth in your note is we were created for community. Created, called, he wants us to be part of community. See, a lot of people in the world that we live in nowadays seem to have a lot of connections. They seem to have a lot of friendships. But when you really look at it, there's oftentimes a lot of acquaintances. You'll look at people who have all kinds of friends on their Facebook and all kinds of followers on their Twitter or Instagram, and it seems like they've got it all together, but the truth of the matter is they're simply acquaintances, but they are not deeply involved 
in community with others. And I would call them relationally impoverished. I believe that even in this room today, there are some that are relationally impoverished. Not living life with deep connection and community. See, for the American church, we oftentimes can have huge churches that are filled with people but there's some anonymity. They come in and they go out and they don't engage and nobody knows they're there or maybe they haven't engaged and said, I want to be a part. And because of that, we spend a lot of time asking people the most important question. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? It's great. It's the most important. It's where you experience life. But I would suggest that there is a second question that we need to be asking that is also very important. Not the most important, experiencing life in Jesus is the most. But the second question, are you living life in community? Not only are you engaged in a relationship with Jesus, are you walking that out in community? Well, today, again, I want us to go back to the beginning to the beginning of the church, and ask the Lord to help us to know what did they do back then that we need to be doing today as a church. Again, Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And Acts chapter 1 and 2 introduce us to the beginning of the church as we know it. By the time we get to Acts chapter 1 and 2, the Bible says that Jesus has died on the cross. He rose again. For 40 days, he showed himself to over 500 people to be alive And then just as he was about to go up into heaven, he brings and gathers his disciples around him and he says, I'm about to go away, but it's good for you to go away. Why is it good that you will be going away? He says, because if I do not go away, I can't send the Holy Spirit to be your comfort, to be your guide. He says, when I go away, I will be physically going up into heaven, but I will be spiritually sending the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will not only be with you, he will reside in you and work through you. And so he says to them, what I want you to do is I want you to go share the gospel around the world. But before you do, go to this place called Jerusalem. And you wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, that they went and they waited just as Jesus had instructed After they waited, the Bible says on Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one upper room in community. They were seeking God, and the Bible says the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened on that day. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to have a prayer language. They began to have an experience with the presence of a manifest presence of God. Well, the Bible says on that day when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a bunch of people outside, and they heard what was going on. What's happening up in that room? I hear a lot of things that I don't understand. And they began to come, and they began to mock. The Bible says Peter walks out to the crowd of people who were mocking them, and he begins to preach a message empowered by the Holy Spirit. By the way, we still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, man. Here is Peter who used to be afraid to even acknowledge that he was a follower of Christ. Three different times he denied Jesus. Now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he stands up in front of a crowd of over 3,000 people. And he preaches a message and he says, this Christ who you crucified was the Messiah. And he preaches such a convicting message that over 3,000 people in one instance are saved. Can you talk about church growth? 
In one moment, by the power of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people were added to the church. Now that is the birth of the church as we know it. We look at these 3,000 and the people who would come after and we say, what did they do back then that we need to be doing now? And so here the church is born, it is birthed, and they began to live life together. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. That's the groundwork. Now I want you to hear this. And they devoted themselves. Who's they? The new church, right? All these 3,000, all this new folks who had received, had experienced life. What did they do? And they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. From this passage, I want us to look at some important truths of living life in community. In your notes, one of those truths is this, community requires commitment. Living life with other Christ followers in a biblical community requires a decision. It requires that we put ourselves out there and we pursue it. Again, at life point, we want you to make a commitment to community by joining a life group. Life groups is where life happens here at LifePoint. This morning is the start of a brand new life group semester. Outside at the kiosk, we want you to go and sign up and say, count me in. I want to live life just like the early church with other Christ followers in community. We want you to sign up even tonight and throughout this week. We'll start a brand new life group semester. And I would love to see 100% participation because we say it all the time that life groups is where life happens here at LifePoint. It's a place where you will connect with others. It's a place where you're going through something, you'll receive pastoral care and somebody will be there to journey with you. It's a place where you can grow in your faith. And, and again, I want you to sign up. But it requires us a commitment. Again, the Bible says in Acts 2, 42, and they devoted themselves. Look at that word, devoted. I hope that you would understand what it means to be devoted to something. Certainly, there would be those in this place, I would hope you would be able to say, I'm devoted to my spouse. I'm devoted to my kids. I'm devoted to my family. Hopefully, some of you would be able to say, hey, I'm, a, I'm devoted. I'm in school. I'm devoted to my studies. I'm devoted to my job. Some of you are devoted to your hobbies. Some of you are devoted to your sports team. Go Cowboys. That's all I'm talking about. Go Cowboys. We're praying for you, Cowboys. Praying. Everybody just take a moment and pray for the Cowboys. Because <laughs> I am not going to be able to live this next 13 to 16 weeks if we don't. How do you know what you're devoted to? It's what you're committed to takes commitment. So we are to be committed here at LifePoint in our life groups. I want you to see what were they committed. So they devoted themselves. What did they devote themselves to? Let's keep reading. It says they devoted themselves. They were committed to study. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. A core value here at LifePoint is we value the Bible. 
We do not want to be a per- people who just come in here and say one or two scriptures and then just tell you ideals. We want to be students of the Word of God. Why? Because the Bible is our guidebook for living. I can't give you everything that you need for your daily life, but if you will in your own time and through life groups and through studying with others begin to dive into the Word of God, it is, has everything you need for faith and conduct. It is our guidebook for living. It is the thing that when you really study and you seek out the Word of God, it reveals who God is and what He has done to redeem us. Every area of our life, every answer we're looking for can be found in the Word of God. That's why on the back of our sermon notes, we take a lot of time, and Pastor Ben and others will help to say, hey, here's the sermon for today, but we're going to go deeper in this. We're going to do some reflection. We're going to use this sermon to then go around a life group setting and say, let's go deeper in what the Word of God says, because we want to be students who study the Word of God. They devoted themselves, what? First of all, to the apostles' teaching, to the Word of God. Next, they also were committed to fellowship. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. And then check this out. Fellowship to the breaking of bread. The Greek word for fellowship there would be koinonia. It means participation, partnership, community, communion, deep committed to intense spiritual relationships. At LifePoint Fellowship, we're all about fellowship. It's right there in the name, baby. That's what I'm talking about, LifePoint. Fellowship. That's what they did. Not just, hey, how you doing? Is everything going okay? But you really begin to engage, not only in rows. We've got a lot of people in this place this morning. We had a lot of people in the first service. It's not only about coming in here an hour or so a week in rows, but now we get in circles and we say, let's live this life out together. Let's study and let's truly fellowship. Let's truly love one another. It's not about a person behind a pulpit. It's about all of us being the body of Christ and living life in true community. And life groups, again, is a place where life happens. So they fellowship. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And then I like this part. And it says, and to the breaking of bread. What in the world is all that about? What do they mean, breaking of bread? Come on. That's not terminology we use nowadays, right? If you don't believe me, go to your office tomorrow and about lunchtime, go to your friends and your coworkers and say, hey, friends, would y'all like to go break bread with me today, right? They're going to look at you like you're weird. What are you talking? What does that mean, breaking bread? Simply meant they ate together. Why would that be put in here? Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. It's because it was showing the level of connection that these people in the early church had. See, it's one thing if I invite you over to my house and we stand in our foyer for a while and then I push you out the door. That's one level of connection. But when you come around my table, when we sat together at the kitchen and when we eat together, it's a picture. He's trying to give us a picture of the connection and the community that they had. It wasn't just some casual, hey, how are you doing? Pat you on the back, walk by you. They literally would meet together and they would commune together and they had common unity together. That's what I love about LifePoint is it happens all the time. 
You see people studying and fellowshipping. And, bra- and by the way, if there's no other reason in order to be a part of life groups, they, most of them eat together at something, whether it's snacks or a book. Some people do full-fledged meals. Uh, but, hey, what else? Why? Because it's a connection. And I love how I see that it goes past just a meeting time. There's not a given week that organically I don't see people that are just outside of even life groups meeting and eating and loving and sharing life together. So they were committed. What were they committed to? They were committed to study and to fellowship. And then thirdly, and to prayers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and the breaking of bread, and to prayers. I want you to understand You can't do this life on your own. We were not meant to be an island unto ourselves. We are to bear with one another when we have burdens. They prayed together. Not just, oh, Lord, you know, good gravy, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. How many ever heard that one? You have that crazy uncle too at uh, your meals. Not just some kind of casual thing. They said, I want to go after God. I want to love on. I'm not only fellowshipping and communicating with you. I am praying for you. And they were committed to prayer. I see it all the time in in life groups where somebody will come in and maybe they're closed off. And now you don't have to share what you don't want to share. Nobody puts you in the chair in the middle of the room and says, all right, tell us all your deepest, darkest secrets so we could pray. I mean, uh, the Lavelle group, that happens sometimes, but everybody else. Now, no, just kidding, just kidding, it doesn't. But I've seen it again and again where people, maybe they were uncomfortable at first, but they began to really live life, and now all of a sudden they're sharing life and they're sharing prayer requests, and people are really, truly praying and loving and doing community and life together. They prayed together. Another thing they were committed to, you can write this down, it's not in your notes, they were also committed to not only live life, but to share life with others. We'll get to that next week, but I want you to see, not only did they experience life, salvation, not only did they live life in this kind of community, they began to share life. Look at Acts 2.43, the next verse, it says this, and all came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believe were together, there's our better together, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So here was this group of believers who said, basically, man, it's bigger than me. I'm part of something that is more than me. They even in that particular age, I'm not telling everybody to do this, but they were so committed to one another, they had a garage sale. It says they sold their possessions. They had common unity. They said, man, whatever you have need of, I'm part of something bigger. It's not just about me. Now, again, that was unique to that situation. But how if we started to live like that? I truly care about those who are in circles around me and communicate. See it again and again. Life point, we are so blessed to be a church who's not only about just us, but we're about advancing his kingdom. And because of your faithfulness in general tithe and offerings, we're able to on a regular basis, just this week, a number of different occasions. Man, somebody was in need, a missionary needed help, somebody have a benevolent need. And through your general tithe and offering, if you're a part, we're able to do that on a regular basis. 
I'm thankful for that. But can I tell you what I really know where we're hitting it out of the ballpark and living life together? Is when I see that kind of stuff start happening organically. It's not something that the church just had to have a program for. I'll be watching and on Facebook all of a sudden I hear a testimony of somebody who was in need and somebody said, man, we'll go and do that cleanup day for you. Man, we'll serve you. We'll get alongside of you. Hey, you were in the hospital. We'll bring you a meal. And on a daily and a weekly basis here at LifePoint, not seen by most people, life is being lived out and shared together in caring community. As a church who lives and shares life together with others, this truth that is next in your notes becomes obvious. Commitment to community will cause us to walk in common unity. You see the community there? Common unity. And allow us to bring glory to God. Again, I love what verse 43 says. It says, the Bible says, everyone was filled with awe, A-W-E. The Greek word for that is phobov, F-O slash B-O-V. It's where we get our word phobia. Basically, it said they saw this group of people living in such community that they were in awe. It's almost like a fear of the Lord that they were in awe. Man, look at this. This is something big. This is something true. This is not just religion. This is relationship, relationship with Jesus, walking with others. There is something authentic about this. And the people around that weren't even a part, all of a sudden they bring glory to God because they said, man, I'm in awe of when a community of Christ followers truly live this thing outright. It's a big God. It says they were in awe. And verse 46, continue reading, said this. And day by day, attending the temple together. In other words, they went to church together. And breaking bread in their homes, life groups, connection, fellowship. Goes on to say, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. And then checking this out. And having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. This is the power of better together. When we say it's not just a slogan on a wall that we experience, live, and share life with others, but we really commit to engage in living life with others, others who are not even in the church will begin to take notice. And they will say, man, there is something about that kind of connection. And God's name is glorified. It said they took notice and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's take a trip back for just a moment. It's who we've been at LifePoint. It's who we're going to continue to be. Experience life, but then further, we want to live it and share it with others. I love what John chapter 13, verse 35, by the way, this is Jesus speaking. And he says this, by this, they will know that you are my disciples. By the fact that you show up at church, even when the Texans are playing. Amen. Is that what it says? By this, they will know that you are my disciples. By how much you give the offering plate. Is that what it says? By this, they'll know. That you are my disciples by even serving and all these other things that may be good. That's not what it says, though. It says, by your love, one for another. 
When you're truly living life in community, ultimately it brings glory to God and people come into the kingdom because they see something that attracts them to a life in Jesus. Share life with others. Again, let me just challenge you. Life groups is where life happens here at LifePoint. People will say, well, I don't feel connected. I say, have you stepped out of your comfort zone and said, I'm going to be part of a life group? It's where connection happens. It's where we grow deeper in the word. Hey, it's where when you've got a need and somebody, man, I'm in the hospital, is somebody calling? That's where pastoral care, all of those things happen in life group. It's where life happens. So I want to encourage you today in just a moment after we get out of this service, sign up, be a part, say, I'm going to be committed to community because we are better together. I've seen it again and again. There is an imagery that when I was a kid, the pastors used to speak about, says we're like a, Jesus is our shepherd and we are his sheep, right? Have you ever watched the Discovery Channel? Whether it's a sheep or any kind of other animal that runs in herds, there comes a lion or there comes a whatever it would be. It tries to pick off the herd. What does it usually do? Goes for the one that's over there isolated, doesn't it? Being in isolation is a dangerous place. We don't have to be that way. We have avenues for community. And I just want to encourage you, if you've experienced life, begin to live it and share it with others. This morning, in just a moment, I'm also going to pray. Worship team is going to begin to play. And I'm going to pray for those who say, I need to experience life in Jesus. I told you I was going to do that, and that's what we're going to do. It's a starting point. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us are in right standing except for Jesus. Having died on the cross for our sins to forgive our sins. Somebody, the first place you need to start while we're talking about life groups and all this stuff, you need to start with a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, I realize you died on the cross and I realize you had no sin, but you took my sin. Would you forgive me? Would you come in? Would you forgive me and cleanse me? Just a moment when I pray, man, make that decision. Start that journey. Somebody else in this place, this is a vision series. We're going to have a wonderful evangelistic series, a lot of fun as we go in two weeks from now. We're going to do that at the movies. But you say, man, count me in. I'm part of LifePoint. I don't want to do this thing alone. You don't have to. The Holy Spirit will be there. But then also, you can gain by growing in community with others. So I challenge you. God, I can't do it on my own anymore. Help me to engage and be a part. And then finally, help me share that life with others. I want to pray a response this morning. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Dear Heavenly Father, all over this place, first of all, I pray for those who need to experience life in you. There's somebody in this place that the Bible says when we are in our sin, we are dead in sin. But when we give our life to Jesus, realizing he died on the cross for my sin to make me new, that we can experience life and it can be a new life that's abundant in you. Today, all over this place, if while we're talking about living life in community, there's even one in this place that say, man, God, I, I need to experience you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Come into my heart. Right now, as I'm praying, you said if we confess, we would admit, we would believe that we could become part of the family of God, children of the Most High. Right now, we confess our need for you. 
Forgive us of our sins. Put us on the right path. God, today there are others in this place. They are already a Christ follower, but right now they're going through hell on earth. God, ultimately it's you and your Holy Spirit that can be with us in the middle of all that. But it's also a community of believers that would come alongside if only we would put ourselves out there and start to engage in living community. Father, I pray for that person who feels all alone in that marriage, all alone in that situation, that, God, they wouldn't try to do it on their own. They would turn to you and they would engage with other Christ followers. We want to be committed to you, devoted. Father, I pray that as we study the, the sermon series this this semester, as we go deeper in our relationships and fellowshipping and growing together, that you would truly be glorified and that our lives would be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.